So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But, you? but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. What's up, everybody? I've got my good friend Randy Cooling on the podcast today. We have all kinds of cool topics to talk about. Um, Randy, I haven't talked to you in a while. What's cracking? No, no, I haven't. I was glad to hear from you. Uh, life's just really busy between hunting and work. It's uh, just not a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah, Randy's been on the podcast before. Randy and I have hunted together, but... Randy owns Safari Tough. Randy, tell everybody a little bit about that, what you guys offer um, there. Yeah, we uh, mainly it's traditional items I make uh, and uh, bow cases that you can put your bows in with your quivers on. Your feathers will stick out so they don't get mashed. Um, uh, a back quiver, it's all made out of uh, very quiet, like a fleece kind of material, a laminated fleece, uh, make a tab, uh, that's, that's really nice, made out of the best, uh, cordovan leather I can get. And we're coming out with some new, uh, basically bags and cases too, that we'll be coming out with. Gotcha. Well, you also offer a, a vinyl harness as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I have a vinyl case made out of that same quiet material that our uh, back quiver is made out of and a, a rangefinder pocket uh, that goes along with it that's made out of that same quiet material. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing with that that uh, vinyl harness that Randy makes is it's, it's quiet where you don't get that with um, really any other harness. Um, when I say you don't get anything made out of like four-way stretch nylon or, or Cordura, it's going to be louder where, um, that material, it's, I don't know what you, what do you call that? A low mat fleece? What, what do you even call that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a real short, real short kind of fleece material. Um, kind of like the old buckskin, but I'd say it's a quieter material. I think buckskin is what that was called that people used to use for, backpacks and that something like that but it's a little bit quieter than that not quite as tight and we put it on the inside and outside of the vinyl harness yes uh so it's quiet all over and there's no magnets on it um it's just got uh it's got a uh oh a shock cord kind of that hooks it top that wraps around and hooks on the bottom to keep the flap tight uh, there's a foam pocket that goes between the vinyl harness and your chest to slide your phone into. And then there's a couple pockets, little pockets, one on each side for wind checker or a pen light or knife, whatever you want to put in there. Gotcha. And it, it's also the, the uh, shoulder straps in that are really basic. But when you get them, I add plenty of, plenty of uh, strapping and stuff on it. So no matter how big you are that there's plenty there that you can fit it and smaller guys might want to cut, cut it down, but uh, I don't recommend doing it until you make sure you have on your biggest warm coat and stuff uh, when you're wearing it. Gotcha. So, so with, um, 
you know, Randy's been, you know, the stuff he makes for traditional archers mostly. I will say the back quiver works fine for everything. Um, but it, Randy's been bow hunting for many, many, many years and, and been doing it with a, a trad bow for 40 years now, is that right? How long? Yeah, for, I've been for 48 years I've been bow hunting. And I had a couple years in there I used a compound, maybe three, four out of all that. Most of it's all been trad bow, though. Most everything. So with uh, me knowing that and, and obviously knowing different, maybe some of the different stories with Randy, one of the first things I wanted to cover with this podcast was, oddly enough, it was something that's been brought up more this year to me in my Q&As and messages and texts than maybe I even realized before. But uh, that that was kind of the dynamic or the expectations between a hunter and an outfitter, hunter and a guide, meaning um, when you when you book a hunt, what your expectations should be, how you should kind of act. Like there's a, there was a lot of different questions from five specific individuals that seem like in their view got screwed over. And I, I will say before I dive into this. Um, there is always going to be good outfitters and bad outfitters. There's going to be good hunts and bad hunts because of weather. There's always, go always going to be two sides of the story, and I have found that to be very true, meaning I could listen to Randy's story and then go to the outfitter and listen to a totally different story um, of what went on. And the biggest mm -hmm. question is is simple. Would you, What would your expectations be when you book a hunt? And one of them, and I'm just going to list these off for you, Randy, and then we'll talk about each one. If you book okay. a hunt for seven days, and that hunt, the hunt is seven days, in the beginning, setting up camp and the end setting up camp kills a day, should that count towards the seven or because you're reducing it to five. So the last day of your technical hunt you paid for, you're rolling up wall tents mm -hmm. and camps that seems like you're taking away a day from the hunt that you paid for. So what are the expectations of that? If you book, I'm just going to say a 10 day hunt, uh, meaning 12 total with travel time, one on each end, you have 10 days in the field you booked. If you're killing a day on either end, setting up camp, is that fair or not fair? Yeah. I mean, it's all part of, you, you know, that, up front when you're booking the hunt you should see what it is and if you can't live with that well then you probably shouldn't book and go there but but it is a lot of that too depends on what kind of hunt you're going on if you have hunts that you have to fly into uh if you're flying into alaska you can't hunt for i'm not there's there's different rules it's different everywhere, everywhere. let's just like, like say yeah, a cycle like, of cycle of darkness what you can't hunt till you can't hunt till what three o'clock in the morning if you flew in the first day. Yeah, yeah, and I always just to keep yeah. it simple: one cycle of darkness or twelve hours. It's less than that in places, but let's just say you got to wait twelve hours from the time your plane lands. Yeah, and it's it's because it is different everywhere, but but I mean that's still taking up an outfitter's time and a guide's time, and he's paying the guide when it's taken that long to get in somewhere and then coming out too, that that's a day that shot. Um, so I, 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 I gotta admit that kind of used to bother me a little bit when I started booking hunts, but 
the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, you know what? The guy's taking care of me. He's there. He's feeding you for that day. Um, so that's, that's, that's just part of it and how it works. Yeah. And, and it's going to be, and and (laughs) it's going to be different on each hunt. So for example, if you're doing a backpack hunt, you are killing a day getting there and probably not hunting that much, depending upon what you're hunting on the way in. Yeah. So that would be, but you got to count that as a day because you are hunting with the guide and they're taking up food and time and, and go ahead. Yeah. Normally, normally if you drive into a place, if you can drive, drive to a bear hunting outfitter and you drive in on say Sunday, they're probably going to feed you that night and they're not going to count that as a day of hunting. Right. Right. And it's, but it's really a, because yeah, no, no, go ahead. Yeah, it, it all just, I mean, it totally depends on the hunt, but that that is a very common thing when you're, especially when you're having to fly into a hunting area or backpack into a hunting area. That's a very common thing to have to, to call that day in, day out part of the hunt. Well, and, and if and, you, uh, if you, if you go with Scotty and I down to Van Horn, you have, if your hunt's four days, you're hunting four days. You show up the day early in the morning, you wake up, you hunt four full days, but there is no hiking in. There's no putting up tents. That's a totally different dynamic yeah. than setting up a wall tent yeah. or I mean, hiking I, in. I've been with outfitters that my a five day elk hunt or a five day antelope hunt and I didn't have my animal and they'd say, they tell me just stay another day, stay another two days. Um, usually at the most guys like that, that are telling you they can work in, it's not always that easy depending on who's coming in after you, but, but guys like that can work in. I'll usually say, Hey, you pay my expenses for that day. You can stay. And then, you know, if you shoot something, maybe a little more, whatever, but, but usually a lot of those guys, and that's things you want to talk about too, uh, when you're booking a hunt. It's a very important thing is your, your days in and days out. I got to tell you, I, I just was up in Saskatchewan bear hunting, uh, black bear hunting this last spring. And we're driving up there and the outfitter calls me at about four 30. We're still got quite a ways to go or no earlier, but anyway, we're going to get to his place about four 30. Now he's got a two hour drive to get out to where we bear hunt. But anyway, we get there and get around. He gets me to the stand about seven o'clock at night and it's getting dark at nine. And I booked a hunt that was Monday through Friday, five day hunt. Well, it, Wednesday came around and he's like, you guys realize tomorrow's your last day to hunt. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, yeah. I, you got to go out Sunday. So that makes your five days end on Thursday. And if I'd have known that, I wouldn't have went out Sunday because <laughs> yeah. I would have got a lot more time in. And I hadn't seen a shooter bear the whole time. I saw bears, but I didn't see a shooter bear. And and uh, we had some words with him and stuff about it. Not not mean or anything, but just. And he says, "Well, if you want to stay Friday, you can, but it'll be another six hundred dollars." And we're all, we're all like, no, wait a minute. There's four of us there. We haven't seen a shooter bear for four days. And now you want us all to pay 
$600 or five days, it ended up being, he wants to pay $600 to stay another day uh, each just to go out and sit for another night and possibly not see anything. He says, well, you're already here. And uh, he said, well, the odds just don't seem that good. Now, in reality, I could have negotiated with the guy. I would have gave the guy $100, $150 to cover his gas and everything to take us out on that Friday. I could have lived with that and negotiated, but he pissed me the hell off. And I, I'm going to – I definitely will be ruining – other guys from going there too, him having an attitude like that, especially with nobody coming in till the following Monday. Well, and that, that is the and, thing that is the biggest consideration for that I would look at. And this is coming from me hunting or me guiding or whatever is if you've had a rough week and didn't see anything, meaning you didn't miss anything. You didn't blow any stocks. I can't say Randy screwed up. We just didn't put any animals in front of Randy. Most outfitters, not all, or some outfitters are going to make considerations to say, hey, you know what, if you want to change your flight, go ahead and stay two or three more days. Let's see if we can get it done. Hey, do you mind shipping in a little bit of extra money for the cook? Whatever, right? Something. Right, right. Which right, is right. totally acceptable in my opinion. Or, you know, if you're, let's say you're on a high-end hunt, a super expensive hunt, and, you, you know, you passed up three legal rams, let's say. And when I say legal rams, they were eight and a half years old. They were breaking the nose, whatever. Uh, they weren't rams you wanted to shoot, but you want to stay longer. You're probably going to have to pay the piper a little bit more on that one because you passed up three legal rams. But th those things, Absolutely. those things should be talked about. The biggest thing is talk and communicate and make sure everyone's under the same page that what you're expecting yeah and 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 in the variables that people may not think about like if you had a bad week and they're packing up on a sunday first thing in the morning and that's one of your hunt your days to hunt if you've already had a bad week is that adding insult to injury of like we don't get this last day we're packing up camp and i haven't seen a moose all week or or whatever mhm mm yeah, and and yeah, even even like that, if he would have said, uh, "Okay, as a pay 150 bucks to cover the fuel." Fuel's very expensive up there, by the way. Uh, to cover the fuel, and if you get a shot at a bear or you or that, pay me the other 450. That I could have lived with. Yeah. You know, I I don't mind negotiating a little, little bit, but I, that and you want to make sure that you do communicate with them no matter how uneasy you're going to be. Most outfitters are going to tell you, we can't fix the problem or take care of you unless we know there is one or you have a problem with something. So you definitely want to be open with them and tell them what you think. So and have that discussion. The the other question that popped up and, and, uh, and I'm lucky when I say I've went on, guided hunts. I've never went really on a guided hunt that wasn't with a buddy. So it's a little bit different, but I have been to a lot of different places and talked to a lot of different people where some of these questions are coming from. Or when I say that 
I've hunted with a buddy and his client has asked me later something he wasn't comfortable with or something happened and was this right or wrong? And they, they're, they're asking me and I'm like, well, I'm with my buddy. It's different, right? You know what I mean? When you're hunting with your buddy, you know, you know, yeah. it's, it's so, oh, yeah. but when you, if you are, if you are talking to the outfitter when you're booking the hunt and you, he lets you talk to the guide ahead of time and you, you don't like the guide, can you ask to switch that you would rather have a different guide or when you get there and meet the guide, can you switch? Um, I'm not going to say my views on this, but go, go ahead. Yeah. Well, if you, if you know for a fact, I mean, if you've met the guide and you guys are not hitting it off at all, you want to bring it up before the hunt because he has those guides set. You, I wouldn't just show up, you know, especially when you've talked to the guides. I would just show up there and say, hey, I don't want him. When they're already running people out and got things set up and, hell, that guide's camp might already be out where you're going, set up where you're going. Yeah. It, it, and that's the, so, the biggest thing. If you are, everybody's personalities are different. And some people like, for the most part, I can, I can believe it or not, get along with just about any way, anyone, as long as they try, right. As long as there's effort involved, whether that's a client or a, that's right. That's exactly right. As long as there's effort. It, yeah. And so, but if you I, talk, talk to the guy ahead of time and don't like him, you need to be upfront immediately because when you get there, guaranteed, all the other guides are busy. They're out with other clients. There's not going to be any switching yeah. going on. And it ain't, it ain't going to get better when you're stuck in a little tent with somebody for nine days, you know, or riding no. a cap and follow them around and with them every day. It ain't going to get easier and better. <laughs> yeah. So you, you definitely want to take care of it soon. I've only had one guy. I had a guy in, uh, uh, Newfoundland when I was caribou hunting and I, he wanted me to shoot at a caribou. It was quite a distance and he was pushing me to shoot and it wasn't even a caribou I wanted to shoot. And he was pushing me and on me and on me. And, and finally I, I, I shot at it and missed it. And the guy came unglued on me. And I mean, he's cussing and if you'd have had a rifle, we wouldn't be having this problem. I mean, he laid into me. And I turned around. I mean, I was behind him, standing there watching it, and he started laying, and I turned around. That's the only guy that I've ever been nose-to-nose screaming at. And uh, I got to tell you, after I laid into him and got him backing up a step or two, we got along great the rest of the week. (laughs) Well, (laughs) here's it. When you bring that up, right, and, again, I'm going to jump ahead on this question. Your weapon of choice can be a fucking problem. And when I say that, most outfitters... A very big problem. Yeah. And most outfitters (laughs) do not like bow hunters, and they really don't like trad guys. And, Mm. um, well, Randy, you go ahead, because you have not been able to go on hunts when they found out you had a stick bow. Yeah. Right. I I have already been on five-dial sheep hunts and haven't drawn my bow. Uh, one of the hunts, I didn't see a shooter sheep, and that was up in Alaska on a horseback hunt. But anyway, so I went to book another hunt in the NWT, and uh, I talked to the guy at the show, and he was all go, go, and 
And I told him I bow hunted. I always tell him I bow hunt because some outfitters don't even want to take bow hunters, period. But, uh, and when I went to book it with a booking agent that I used, he got back to me. And when he went, he sent, they send in, uh, booking agents will send in like a, like your resume of what you use kind of to give the outfitter idea of who they're, who they're taking. And he saw I was using a trad bow and the booking agent called me back and said, he won't take you. You're shooting a trad bow. Yeah. Um, so I ended up not going. Same thing happened on my grizzly bear hunt. I'd already shot a brown bear with this outfitter and I, on the peninsula. And at the sheep show, I went to book. I told him I wanted to book a grizzly bear hunt with him up in Unicui. And he said, no, it's, I just don't think that's a good place for you with, with the equipment you use. I don't want to, I don't want to take you up there. And I went to a, a, one of his guides that I know that's a good friend and was with me when I shot my brown bear. And I, I said to him, I said, Hey, is there any reason I can't get a grizzly bear killed? And he says, hell no, I've seen you shoot. I said, so you'll guide me. He goes, absolutely. So I went back to the outfitter and I said, look, so-and-so, will uh, guide me on a grizzly bear hunt up there. He goes, well, if he wants to take you, then I guess I'll take your money. And I booked it, and it happened. Luckily, on the first hunt, I killed a grizzly bear, a really good grizzly bear. So but, uh, what Randy's bringing I don't up. know if it's because of the work or the money. I have had guys act like, act more like, well, God, I really don't want to. This is a hard hunt. It's hard to get really close. I really kind of hate taking your money yeah. for this because there are, for one thing, it, there's a, there, you got to face it. There's a better chance of hurting their, uh, harvest statistics, success rate. Yeah. 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 It just is, um, getting close to grizzly bears, brown bears. If you got to get real close, you know, I, I don't have to get much, I, those kind of hunts are kind of going to be closer any well, not always, but, but anyway, it's, it's, it can be more dangerous if guys are going to want to get into 10 yards to kill them, which I, I don't have to get that close, but, but I, sometimes I think it's laziness too. So because yeah. you take a bow hunter, you really got to work. Let me, it's not, you're not flying a guy, a guy into a dial sheep. He gets out, spends the night, shoots a dial sheep, and flies back, and you're ready to try and get somebody else out again. So you know, I, with a gun, yeah, using a gun. I'll chime in on on some of this stuff, and and it's a Randy's right. It's a combination. Uh, one is it's 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 way easier to put an animal on the ground with a rifle, which means um, you know the harvest your your success rate is going to be uh, quite a bit higher. Um, I will say traditional bow hunters and some compound bow, bow hunters inherently don't bring the skill set the set that is needed to kill an animal and oftentimes blame it on the guide. And please understand when I say that, that's coming from a dude that guides and is guided. And not everyone is going to say, I just wasn't good enough or I just fucked the shot up or... I just didn't have it in me to climb the mountain again. And what they'll say is the hunter, and I've seen this a lot, is every excuse in the world why it wasn't their fault. And that can make the outfitter look bad, which makes them mm -hmm. not want to bring bow hunters. People, 
people spend $25,000 on a sheep hunt, most people, they're, they're expecting one. Yep. They think that they think they deserve to go home with one. Yeah. I, I, three times I've been within 75 yards, but I, I would only shoot out to 50, 55 and three times I've been in the 75. Well, you know, very well, compounder rifle, good chance they're going to get cheap. Yeah. So with the laziness part of it, I don't know some of its laziness. And when I say that we bring, and I'll use Van Horn for an example, we're, we're 90% stick bow guys. Or, or, or excuse me, archers and and a lot of stick bow guys. And I can tell you from a physical standpoint of getting beat up on my end, when rifle guys come, I'm really excited because it's an easy mm-hmm. week. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. we're lazy. That does mean, though, I get a break. Like, we are going to kill one, and I am not mm-hmm. going to beat up my body because with a stick bow or compound guy, you may be looking at 15 stocks before you close the deal. Rifle, one, maybe two. So, yeah, you know, that's, and, and sometimes it is laziness, um, in the sense of, well, this guy booked a hunt for probably, 10 days. Probably. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's what you were just going to say. I booked a hunt for 10 days. So what? They should be ready to hunt 10 days. Right. And, and they're, they're, they're right. and you know, they're going to say, well, yeah, but I can just book rifle hunters and make my life easy. So fuck you. Right. I mean, that's, they're not saying that. Yeah. But they're thinking that is, yeah, I could yeah, book you, no, but I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's hard for me because I'm a bow hunter and I say hard for me. Like when I got up there this year for my goat hunt, they were not thrilled. I had a bow and when, and then I was shooting in the yard at like a hundred yards and, you know, shooting a relative, like a softball at now nah, it's probably a softball at 80. And, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, look, this is not my first rodeo. Right. I'm, I'm like, I'm good. I know that it's a bow hunt. I know it's for goat. And they're like, well, we used to take bow hunters. They're just too much of a pain in the ass. And I'm like, no, that's fine. I was like, I don't get with one with a bow. I don't get one with a bow. And we end up killing one on the first day, giant yeah. goat. Great. So I am going to be guiding for them next year and was like, Hey, look, I, I'm going to be bringing bow hunters. And he's like, I don't give a shit. It's their money. I mean, you know, the old money spends the same, but they need to know. And, and Ron, the guy at North River, he's very, he's done this a long time. He's like, I am not fucking moving them and, and it, unless there's just no animals. Ron will 100% move you if the hunting's bad. That's his, he loves guys filling tags. But he's like, they miss four goats. They're paying to be moved. <laughs> I'm not moving them for free. Yeah. If it's my responsibility yeah. and, and he puts me in a spot, there's no goats. He's like, of course, I'm going to move you. But he's like, I don't want to hear any bullshit when I say I need $2,500 or whatever it is to move because fuel's expensive. And and that's where I'm like, Ron, you be upfront on this shit. We both will be of what's ex- expected, right? Like, and when I say that, if you're and I'm I'm doing this podcast and talking too much. But it's very important to know if you fucking miss, you, you, and I say miss, you miss a gimme. They're not going to like you. They're not going to be happy. And when I say that, shit happens. It's not like they're going to throw stones at you. But if it was a tough stock, the guy put a ton of effort into it, you missed, and he knows now there's a ton more effort into it. He's already been paid for all that. He's getting paid to do that. But... You know what I mean? Like that's obviously that's part of bow hunting and, and they sign that up, up for that. But when you expect multiple opportunities, 
I think that's when shit gets more sticky because it's like, well, you fucked up, right? You've had your opportunity. So what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, some hunts, some hunts you go on like a brown bear hunt, a grizzly bear hunt. If you're going to, if you're bow hunting, I mean, even with a compound, a lot of guys got to go five, six times just to get one. Dwight, Dwight Shue was on seven or eight brown bear hunts, never did get one before he passed away. Yeah. And some hunts are just harder. You, you it's inherently harder. Guys don't get them with rifles, you know? Yep. I would just say you have and, to be ready when you're spending money on a hunt. You have to be prepared. You may not get one, and you really may not get one with a compound uh, or, a, or a stick bow that you need to be. It is not a gimme, even if you pay a lot of money. It's not guaranteed. No. It's hunting. It's not shooting. It's hunting. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's just – I don't ever – I get that from people all the time about the money thing, especially because I've been on five dollar sheep hunts. I don't ever think about the money, you know. Where if you shoot, and make a bad shot, you can be done. Depending on wait, don't don't go there at. yet. You, it, that's the Oh, okay. <laughs> that one's later. Um, that's another but, crisis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. But no, it's it's. I just don't ever think about the money when I'm doing it and you got to be in the right frame of mind. And I, I make sure that my guide and even the outfitter when I'm booking know that I am, uh, what do you want to say? Have enough insight to know that this isn't a done deal till it's done. That, that because I got to get closer than most guys to do it. So next, so it can just, it can just happen, especially when you're old, you're hunting in places where it's wide open. Yeah. It, it's just, it just can be rough. Well, next year, for example, uh, Drew, he just shot a, a brown bear with his recurve. He's like my doctor, basically. He's in California. Super good dude. Oh, okay. He, he's a okay. he, trad guy. He's booking a hunt with me for mountain goat, and he looks at it. Mm-hmm. A lot the same as you. One, he knows it's with me, so we're going to get along. The next is, okay, this is the price. And I'm like, hey, you know, talking with the outfitter, do I get moved one time if I miss? Like, just the shit I'm talking about. And then the expectations of physical, what we're doing, because these are backpack hunts. These aren't, you know, you're not fucking around. Is, all right. Goat hunting, goat hunting sucks anyway. It's it, a, physically, it's f- the worst. Physically is like, all right, Drew. Um, you know, Ron's going to put us in into a spot. It's real terraced. We're going to glass from here. We may glass for three days before we find that one opportunity to come down on one. Mm-hmm. Drew's an archer. He's a traditional archer and he's very, yep, fuck, I'll sit on that thing all week for one good shot, right? Like, you know, he's oh, oh, mm-hmm. with the stick mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, well, let's make sure that, you know, with, with you know, like shooting wise, terraced, that, that he and I know exactly where his shooting ability and moral compass lies. And when I say that, there's nothing worse than pulling over the hill and say, 40, kill it. And somebody's saying, can we close half the distance? That is not <laughs> shit I like to hear. It's not. It's and when I, <laughs> Now, if it was 80, I get it, right? But if, if you're within... Exactly. Yeah, with your, if you're within 40, right, that is not the easiest thing. And if you're a stick bow guy, you need to be very aware that 40 does not come out of your mouth... Ever. 
because that's what I'll hear. Yeah, I can shoot pretty good at 40. All right, 40, shoot it. Well, we got to get closer. Well, I plan my whole fucking uh-huh. stock on getting to 40. You, We're not getting closer. There's no more rocks, right, or whatever. And so you, you have to be very clear with your guide and the outfitter of what your capabilities are and and not I'm okay at 50 but I'll never take that like you've got to tell them and then you you know you also have to be aware like you may be on a mountain for 3 to 5 days watching animals that you cannot approach yep absolutely absolutely i had a i was i was hunting ibex basal ibex in turkey and i knew these could be very long shots and stuff and i had worked really hard at my shooting and i had a plan to shoot 70 yards and I was practicing at 70 yards while I was there and I was shooting. I mean, I was shooting, I'd call it lights out. I was keeping them in a basketball at 70 yards with my recurve. And, and, uh, so I figured, well, if I have to, I'm going to do it. We get, we're with this, I'm hunting and we get in on this really nice, uh, uh, really nice male. And, uh, we hit it and it's, it's uh, 76 yards or 82 or something like that. And the guy says, what do you think? I said, I got to have another six yards. I didn't get a 76. And he says, I said, I got to have another six yards. And he looks at me like, oh, you know, not even thinking because they don't know any different that for me to tell him I'll shoot 70 yards with a recurve or something, little on, little on, uh, you know, six yards, that's a big, big difference with a recurve from 70 to 76. Yeah. I mean, huge different gaps. Probably at 70 to 76 is probably eight feet or something. I don't know a lot. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I had a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, it's probably six feet maybe. Yeah. And, um, cause I had a plan to 70 yards. So, but I, but I had to be there. I couldn't, I couldn't deviate. I could go up to 70 and after that, I didn't know. Because yeah. I would have to start aiming, like you say, way over it. And then when you're doing that, that's a, that's a potluck there. So trying to do that. So to make, make sure like we're, we're, I'm not skipping too, too much here on, you know, those, the expectations and things like that is, is your, your fitness level. Don't show up to a hunt and, and not be ready to do what it takes. I'm not saying you got to be the fastest guy just get there, right? You don't, you don't have to be even moderately fast. You can be slow as fuck. Just get there. That's all you got to do, but you need to be able to to get there. Yep. And, and Randy, you said, I, I, I I told guides that when I get there, I said, cause usually it seems like every guy that I get is about six foot four and 170 pounds (laughs) and they're 21 years old. (laughs) And, 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 and I always tell them, I say, look, man, I got one speed especially now at my age, I said, I got one speed. I, that's all I got. And, uh, I'll always be there and I'll always be coming. You're going to hear me bitch. You're going to hear me moan. You're going to hear me whine. You're going to hear me cut. Just ignore all of it. Believe me. It's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, yeah. You just, you want to know that it's, you're, you're going to have to trot along and keep going. There's no sense going either. Yeah, and and that's like when you say that. For example, uh, let's say you've got a, a pretty hard route in, and uh, I'm like, man, I was like, Randy, it's four or five miles in. It's going to be pretty rough. And 
when I say that bushwhacking, not on a trail, four miles in Alaska or BC or whatever is like fucking 12 or 14 anywhere else when you're not on a trail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's, yeah. that's not an exaggeration. It, three miles is a long ways bushwhacking. And so oh, let's say we bushwhack three miles in and it's working towards five o'clock. There's nothing wrong with Randy saying, Hey, can we camp here? Make the climb in the morning. Yep. You can camp anywhere you want. You got your camp on your back and meaning you don't have to be like tough it out. You don't have, you know what I mean? Just go. And then the next morning you make the climb, you little, you're not burnt out or whatever else. If it takes you two days to get there, but be, you know, let them know that ahead of time. Cause they may say, well, shit, we might put him in a different spot a little bit closer or, you know, there's again, communication. Cause like if you booked a hunt with me or, or with North river and I was going to take you, I'd be like, well, I know Randy can shoot pretty good. And he's good in good enough shape, but I, he's not going to want to climb the world every day, right? You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to want to make a 2,000-foot climb every day. So I want to get him to a point where uh, we're on top. I I made a guy, I talked to a guy, and he was wanting to do that everyday goat hunt. And I finally said, hey, man, can't we just take our camp up there? Yeah, exactly. And we ended up taking our camp up and stayed up there. Mm. Even though it was steeper than hell and you couldn't find a flat spot, but you know what? I didn't have to climb. <laughs> well, and again, that's the thing. Like if if uh, and it's not like I'm the you know I don't I don't have nearly experiences a lot of different guides, but I've done it uh, you know enough and I've been on enough hunts to like it's just common sense. And, and, and the guides get and the outfitters get lied to a lot. I went on a hunt in Alaska and I was like, man, I can go anywhere at any time for basically any speed, not a problem. Well, he's heard that shit before a million times. Well, we we got there, yeah. and I felt bad for the guides, right? I was like, these poor fuckers, right? Because they were not in the shape that I was in. And it wasn't – I don't, don't say that as it, it was a race or anything. I was just like, mm -hmm. you know, they've got real jobs. This was their first hunt of the year. They're not training. They got kids to feed and shit. They're not – you know what I mean? And so we got there, and I was like – all right. That guy definitely did not believe me. Uh, that's funny. I mean, it wasn't a problem. It was hilarious actually. Cause I was like, the, he's got to hear this a million times from a million people, but letting them know, Hey, I've got a good set of field craft, you good, you know, good skill set and field craft. I can get around decent enough. I'm not afraid of heights, whatever you got. Or in my case, by the way, I eat like a horse. I'm going to need more food. That's a big one for me. And as simple as that sounds, I've seen lunches that they throw out with guys like, here's your lunch. I'm like, what the fuck is that? That's a mid-morning snack at best. I need more food. Yeah. And letting them know that or bringing your own food, you know, with you. And I don't know if you want to touch on any of that. Uh, yeah, I always bring extra snacks with me when I go somewhere. Um, normally it's like, what, a trail mix uh, maybe some jerky or something like that. I always do because for one thing, if it's a backpack hunt, normally you don't want to carry more than you have to anyway, but, but you still, I know on the first sheep hunt I went on, we were having a package of oatmeal in the morning. We were having some bars at lunchtime and we we're having a bag of dry food at night. I'm telling you that ain't, you know, that ain't much, uh, when you're hiking all day and climbing mountains and stuff that ain't a lot of food and uh so i that's fine you know you can survive you'll make it 
but uh, I always take a little extra uh, just in case. Up in Canada, they got them damn coffee bars that they seem to love, and I, I had them one year. I hate coffee, and they taste like it to me, pure coffee, and I ended up having to eat them because I didn't take enough stuff with me. And uh, so after that, I made sure I always have some stuff that I can tolerate that I bring from home too. Yeah. And again, that's just communication. When I say that, like I, I know I eat more than you generally two people and, and that Randy's seen it. I eat a lot and oh yeah, I'll pack the weight in. And so like when you get to camp and they hand you your food bag, I'm going back in the pantry and getting more food. Like, yeah, I'm like, Hey, this is not enough. I need, and it's not a confrontational thing and just tell them, Hey, here's a hundred. Like I do this. I got, here's a hundred bucks. I need more food. Right. Cause they budget out whatever. And, go ahead. Yeah. Well, no. And plus they're going to tell you, well, if you want to carry it. You know, yeah. Oh yeah. So that's, that's usually a consideration too. How much weight you want to carry around. Yep. Yeah. And the same thing pre-workout, right? Coffee, um, you know, electrolyte mix. You know, if you have specific things you want, bring them with you. When I sit up, when you fly up, bring exactly. them with you. And because yeah. they don't, they're yep. catering to everyone. Like most people, like me, I don't really, I mean, I do, but I don't want to eat Snickers bars and shit. So I... I, like, I hate Cliff Bars. That was like the food of choice up there. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I hate Cliff Bars. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, you just, again, just just talk it out, whatever. So let's and, get. And oh, that's ahead. where you need to call guys that were up there the year before. Get names of a few guys. Because I've never had anybody that wouldn't talk to me about their hunt. And And see what they had and how it worked out and the logistics of it. If you haven't been there before with that same outfitter, um, so you know and get a better feel for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, next questions. Um, Oh, go ahead. Well, I have one more thing to say about communicating, too. I tell everyone, especially guys going the first time, if there's ever something you absolutely are afraid of doing, don't do it. Um there's some pretty hairy places you can walk and they're hairy to some people and not to others, but you know, up in my, well, you know, up sheep on and go to, and I, one time we were going to walk a little ledge that went around a mountain and it was only about, I don't know, maybe, maybe it looked like it was a foot wide. It was probably three foot wide, but it was, it was very narrow that if you turned and looked and your backpack hit the wall, it was going to knock you off. And we went to go around it and I didn't like it. And I told him I wasn't going to do it. He says, well, if we got to go around the other way, it's going to take us a little longer. And I said, well, I'll feel fine the whole way around going the other way. Yeah. But I was, that was the only time I've acted. I can think of right now that it was, I was actually uncomfortable doing something that they want me to do. And I can tell you for a fact, and if you're so, with me, I will be trying to convince you to do shit you probably don't want to do. So definitely say, I don't want to go. And just don't, <laughs> yeah, just don't do it. Yeah. Just don't do it. And, and, yeah. and when I, when I say if that. You're, if you're really scared, yeah, if you're really scared, that's when you're going to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, I've done some things. I've done some things. I've been, a lot of things. I've been very, very uncomfortable doing, but I wasn't petrified doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. 
you're going to be uncomfortable because there's just a lot of that goes on. Well, and I was going to say, there's some things that you can weasel around with that. Like, for example, I'd be like, well, Randy, if I come back and grab your pack, do you feel any better? If it's a no, it's a no. And if it's a, yeah, I'd feel way better with my pack without, you know, I'll grab the, the pack. The, the biggest thing of what you don't want to do is get halfway through that obstacle and lock up. And, and I've seen it happen because then you're really fucked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Then you, yeah, you have no choice. Yeah. I mean, we've, I've done, I've done things with an outfitter one day that we, after we got through it, I'm, we're laying there on the ground and I said, I'm never effing doing that again. (laughs) He says, don't worry. I'm not either. (laughs) Um, you know, I knew it went but it was climbing up a pretty sheer, a pretty sheer face to get up over to some sheep. And it was, it was tough. There was no going back down that way. So while we're going up is easier than going down normally. Yeah, I would say more than normally. And I've caught myself in like, wow, man, I was such a hurry to get up here. And then you're looking down. It didn't seem that bad. And you're like, it's almost impossible to climb down, especially with a pack on. Yeah. But the one one thing I want to yep. bring up with, and this has happened to you, if uh, specifically if you have a compound or a recurve, if you hit an animal, what what the repercussions are of of three primary things one if you hit the animal and just nick it and draw blood non-fatal if you hit the animal and it's fatal and you're not going to find it and if you hit the animal and it's a maybe when does the guide shoot and that can get sticky and when i say sticky if a guy hits one and clips it and draws blood Technically, your hunt in most places is over, even if it's non-lethal. In some places, it has to be lethal. But if you, let's say, I'm with Randy, and I know Randy's a stick bow guy, and I and I say, Randy, you need to tell me at the whenever as soon as possible when to break the gun out. Meaning, I'll have a gun in my hand, but if Randy hits Mm -hmm. one in in certain terrain and he hits liver. I'm probably not going to break the it's he wants it with a stick bow. I'm not going to break the gun out unless it's going into cliffs mm-hmm. that I know will never get the goat out of. You know, we just physically won't be able to to get there. But Exactly. exactly. And, and, I've done that too. I've had to do that. Well, you got to talk about it. So talk about that. Like you got to get like some ground rules or I I know stories and guides you hit one back, even though it's running into grass, right, and it's going to bed. They'll they'll blast it with a rifle immediately without asking much questions. That happens. Yeah, I, it happened to me on a mountain goat. I shot one, and and the the guide ran ahead of me, and got I me mean, got way out ahead of me, and I wasn't sure where he was. And all of a sudden, I hear bang, and I thought, well, there goes my goat, and I got down there to him. And it was rough getting down where he did. But I got down there to him, and he says, yeah, he says, it wasn't doing very well. It was kind of staggering out there, so I just shot it. And I thought, we got to go there to it anyway. We could have went down there, and I could have shot it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that stuff happens. I had a, I had a red stag I didn't make a good hit on. That I was at full draw going to shoot it again, and the gun went off in my ear right off my shoulder 
Yeah, that'd make me. And the guy saw me drawing on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I shot an Elon that looks like a head on video. The shot had a perfect hit on it. The next day, I mean, that, and when we found it, the holes were perfect. And that's when I switched broadheads. But um, uh, the next day, it was still alive. And it was headed towards another private ranch in Africa, in, in, in Namibia. And the guide says, if we don't kill this and it gets across that fence, it's gone because we can't go after it. I said, put it down. And we were keeping up with him in that, but I didn't want to take the chance. I mean, it's, it was mine and, and whatever, you know? So you, you really got to, you really got to, I don't know what the word I want to use is for it. Um, you got to really suck, I guess your pride, maybe suck it up and really consider different situations like that. And if you're not making a good hit, well, that's your fault. It's nobody else's. And if you made a bad enough hit and, and the chances, especially, especially it depends on the animal. You shoot a brown bear in the guts, uh, they're not going to be too keen on you, you know, not killing it with a rifle. If, yeah. Right away, if they see an arrow go through the guts, they're probably going to want to knock it down. I'm probably going to want them to knock it down. Yep. Because there's just too many dangerous things that can happen. Well, And, and you, um, you really have when, to... When, as the shooter really look at this of a couple things, if, 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 and I'm using Randy, if I'm with Randy and he shoots one and it goes straight up and over, um, I'm going to run up there and, and, and Randy and I will already have talked about this because I may get up there before Randy is I'm going to assess and say, all right, is this thing going to go to a place Randy can get another shot? Is it going to go off in the cliffs? Uh, you know, what, what, whatever, mm-hmm. And, and hopefully it stops and I can wait for Andy to look. But if you have not talked about that ahead of time, it's going to probably eat a bullet. And, and so you need to discuss that ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. I made, I made a perfect shot of my brown bear. And I'm pretty sure the guy tried to shoot it with a rifle, follow it right up with the rifle. Because he told me his safety was on after. He never took his safety off. And I didn't want to discuss it anymore with him about if he really did or not, because I didn't want to get really pissed. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm, but I'm pretty sure. And I whacked it, made a perfect shot. It went a hundred yards and died. And you think he was ready to I, put one in it though? I think he tried. I think, I think he had orders that if they didn't look like it was going to go right down, you're in, you're in river bottoms full of alders. There's no way you're going to shoot one that's going to normally go right down unless it runs down the river 40, 50, 60 yards and tips over or something like that to where you can keep your eyes on it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I've had, now that you say it and I start thinking, yeah, I've had these different situations come up, but you're right. Well, you really want to talk about that ahead of time. And if you tell them not to shoot no matter what, well, it's, you, you you really got to put the animal, I, I don't want to say feelings, but it's not fair to the animal either. Yeah. If you make a bad shot, you know you're not going to get it. You're going to have to knock it down with a rifle. Just do it. Hey, you made the bad shot. It's your fault. So 
don't, don't be blaming anything else but yourself over it. Yeah. And, uh, cause you don't, there's no sense letting it run around out there, especially if it's going to die slow and you could have, you could have killed it and got it over with. Yeah. All right. I got some more questions here. Um, okay. let's see. Oh, this is pretty simple stuff as far as do your due diligence. Um, he's asking this, but I, this isn't even a question. If you're trying to figure out about an outfitter, ask them for uh, previous clients, uh, clients that have rebooked, clients that they brought on. You just get references, um, you know, and you want to yeah. get more than and you one. Want guys that, yeah, guys that haven't killed also. Yeah, I was just say you want to get not more. Just guys, <laughs> not just guys that killed. Yeah, you want to. No, 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 no. I'm I interrupting you. You you got to make sure you get. If you call, let's say four guys and one is unhappy, that's not out of the question. You know that who knows why he's unhappy, but if the other three are happier than the oh, pig and shit, it could be the guy, right? The the client. Um, you talk normally, to normally if people aren't happy, it's because they didn't get something and they are upset because they spent a bunch of money and didn't get something. It, 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 exactly, and so like when you if you weed through it and I hey Randy, how was the hunt? Randy's like, oh, it was a good hunt. Um, I mean, we were into animals. I didn't get one. I wasn't overly happy. Like, okay, there's that's a box of worms there. How many animals were you in? Well, we were sub 40 from like six different goats. Okay. And you're not fucking happy. Like something, there's more to the story or, well, I got a couple shots, but you know what? So there's more, more to it. But the other thing to think about with this is when you are, if you're a bow guy, you can talk to rifle guys, but you might want to talk to an archer, ask for a couple archers, ask for a couple rifle guys. You know, if they say no, then, you know, don't probably go there. You know, like, like that, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. If they've never had any, it's probably not a good idea to go there. Um, no, I mean, that's why that. just be, just because of that. Cause well, not this special guide, not to bow hunter. not to say Ron and Maria don't have guides that can take bow hunters, but when you are a bow hunter, it's different, right? So, you know what I mean? Like you, for example, right? I mean, if you're a guy doing rifle and the bow guy comes up and let's say he misses a shot at 65 um, and he, you know, he's having a meltdown already and you've been there, you can, it's like fat kids unite, right? You can console them. Hey man, keep, just keep your head up. Yeah. Where the, the other guy yeah. might be like, pick up a fucking gun. This is stupid. Like why just pick up a rifle? It, it Big difference. Yeah, been there. I've been, <laughs> I've been, uh, I, I, I hunted 17 TAs for a bighorn sheep with my recurve, couldn't get one. Finally, on the last day, I shot, shot it with a rifle. And my guide was still telling me, Are you sure you, because they knew I wanted it with a bow. They're, they, he just kept saying, Are you really sure you want to do this? Are you positive? Well, it's a, took 24 years to draw the tag. I'm not burning it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but guys not having good hunts. I'd say, I'd say the majority of the time if they spent money, um, or if you go on a hunt and you never see a shooter, that's kind of a, I don't, I mean, I, I went on a doll sheep hunt and less and never saw a shooter. I wasn't mad, but 
you know, yeah, you want to rethink going there again. Yeah. If you can't find one shooter, one legal ram, well, you want to think maybe you need to hunt somewhere else or do something different. So like with, uh, with, um, with Kendall's goat hunt, uh, we spent four days and saw one maybe shooter Billy that I wasn't real happy with. You, you know what I mean? It wasn't like what I wanted him to, to shoot. And mm-hmm. if he was in a bad mood, right. Or, or we weren't getting along or that four days could have been much different, but it was super positive, great country, not a lot of goats where we yeah. were at. They were, they were on a different mountain range or whatever else. And Ron moved us and he ended up shooting a giant goat. Right. But that first four days was a lot of walking. Right. And everybody was in a good yeah. mood. And then we, we got moved, hiked in and Dude, I think I passed four over 50 before he shot the one he did. It was that many goats. And so it was like, okay, Ron did his job. They're a good crew, moving them, you know, to another spot because we weren't in. And Ron felt bad. I'm like, fuck, dude, we got good exercise. You know, he was like, man, I just thought there would be goats there. They must have moved out for whatever reason. But if you were in a bad mood those four days and you're getting your dick kicked in, because this is the next question, uh, you know, uh, what should... uh, Basically, when should you choose to go home? And and from not seeing animals, is it out of the question to just walk away? So here's my take on it. Well, let's hear yours on that first, Randy. Well, for one thing I want to say is it's never, ever, ever going to pay off or help to be an asshole on your hunt. There ain't, there ain't nothing good going to come out of it. Nobody's going to go out of their way to work any harder for you being an asshole to people yeah. when you're doing it. Um, I, I, I would say, you know, I, I'm, it only takes five seconds to change your luck. And I would never quit hunting just because I wasn't, it's my time, you know, I'd hunt till my time was up. If I could, if that's what you're getting at. Well, and that's, I would never go home early ever. And when I say that, no, if you have a wife that's super pissed or a kid that's sick and the hunt's not going well, you know, eh. but if you paid for the hunt, you traveled there, it can, it can turn quickly, like five seconds. And, and if you're already not seeing that animals and there's some weather and stuff, like I get how you can get frustrated. Um, you know, and it's one of those things, and, and this is one specific guy reading off of this. He was like, at one point, the the guide said, that really sounds like a lot of work. I don't want to do that. And I don't know the context of all of this. And they weren't seeing anything. And it was the kind of thing where it sounds like it was, this is the way we do it. And we're not changing, even if it's not working. And this is coming from the client. I haven't talked to the guide or the outfitter, yeah. right? So... But there's there's also a level of um, there's a point when you're on a hunt that if you've not seen any animals and you're doing the exact same thing every day, that by day four or five you may want to be like, hey man, maybe we should can can we try something you know different? Where this guy was asking, it was it was so bad. He was like, uh, you know, is there a at any point? Um, that it is okay to say, Hey, I want to lead the hunt today. Um, can you stay behind me? And that is probably a guy that 
of course, he's going to listen to this. Someone that may look real hard at not booking hunts if you're wanting to be the guide guiding, except you're the client. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I say that, not to say that you need to finish the stock, because quite honestly, I don't want anybody beside me with the stock unless I trust them. And that's to range an animal like the last little ways. It's just less noise or whatever. But if you're wanting to hunt your way all day, you're not familiar with the area. You know, you just want to. To, to hunt your way, I'm not saying it's out of the question to, to, to not ask that, you know, but that could get pretty fucking uncomfortable. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't want to go hiking just to hike. Yeah. Either. <laughs> you know, I can hike at home. Yeah. So <laughs> I want you want to do what and normally you gotta there's a point you gotta trust your outfitter. You gotta trust your guide. when they've been doing it and do it because they know the area they've been in there uh sometimes it's difficult and it seems kind of stupid what you're doing but but uh normally i'd say 99 percent of the time you want to trust them and do what they say well and the the thing is what it'll bring up is a probably a point of contention fairly quickly because and when i say that I wasn't there, you know, I don't, I don't know or whatever, but like if, if, uh, you, you, you say that I want to lead yeah. today and then you're like going to an area we've never seen animals. It's going to be like, Hey man, don't go there to, to a certain point. It's like, I should lead the, why are you leading? Like, you don't, you know, it's weird and it's your hunt, right? I get that. But it's, you know, yeah. in this case, it sounds like it was just probably a shitty outfit or a shitty circumstances. But if, if you, show up and I'm, I don't know, guiding someone wherever, let, I don't pick a spot. And, uh, you're planning a route up over a ridge line, And then Rand, Randy's like, Hey, Aaron, you know what? Can we hook around this way? Look at that other basin. That's a normal conversation. That's yeah. not a problem. Yeah. Like, Oh hell yeah. yeah. No, no, and, no, no, no. Yeah. Those are all normal. It doesn't hurt to ask and discuss things. No. And, and when I say that I could very easily say, Randy, that's fucking horrible. That's way more work than it's worth to get up there. I would say that to be like, are you sure? Because that hike sucks, right? You know what I mean? Like that's something I would say to let you know ahead of time, like the risk and the reward, the physical exertion, like, but if you're like, man, I'm in good shape and I'd like to see that. Yeah. In for a penny, in for a pound. Let's, let's go. (laughs) But, but, you you know, you, you, you can't like everyone's smarter, including you and I after the hunt's over, right? Like I, if he would have went left, I told him, you know, and so sometimes 2020. Oh yeah. Well, and sometimes the guy does blow a stock or screw things up, but it's also like you, you have to take into consideration what got you to that point to where it got screwed up. And when I say that, meaning if we're on a stock and we have choices to go right or to the left, right, and left puts you inside a 30 and right puts you inside a 50, and we get inside a 30 because you're not worth of a shit of a shot and the animal blows out, well, if we got to 50, I don't even know if you could hit it. So we had to try for 30 because you can't shoot very well. Mm-hmm. Or there's a lot of variables I, to that. And I, That's one reason. I, I count on the guy... I count on the guy to get me to know the terrain. It's it's tough when you haven't been in an area to look across a valley. Hell, sometimes it looks like a golf course and you get over there and it's awful. And but the guides 
the guys that have been there and they've hunted it, no matter if it's mountains or whatever, they know the terrain. They can look over there and say, oh, yeah, there's a dip right there. That's Things don't things look so different far away, and, and you can trust them. Oh, yeah, there's a dip there. We'll be able to get into that dip and go up and and get on stuff. And, and not only that, guys that are – whenever you I go on, and like, uh, the, the first few days you're on a hunt, it's almost like your eyes got to adjust Just, yeah. to what you're looking for. Yeah. And the size, the color. I'm talking to the animals themselves. Oh, I get so pissed sitting down the first day. You sit down and go, oh, yeah, there's a there's a deer over there, right there. And you're sitting there and you, you can't. But you don't, you don't know the distance to know what size and color you're looking for, if, if that makes sense. No, it does. Or, and I mean, even discoloration. It's, it's, it's just like you got to adjust. Yeah, you got to adjust to that, what you're doing. Your eyes have to adjust to that, to where you can judge things and stuff. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I, I always, there's been times I didn't like what I was doing, what the guide was doing, where he took me and stuff. But it's been so few percentage wise. It's not, it's not a good idea to go against them normally. Yeah, and when really I, 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 everybody does things different. Like I said, there's tons of guys with way more experience experience of me guiding or, or going on guided hunts. But if I can tell you now, if, if Randy and I are going in on a stock and I'm just, cause I know Randy and I, and I'm going an angle, Randy may be like, Hey, Hey, what about this way? You know, you know, what, whatever the topography. And I may say something like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, there's actually a big roller over hill here or no, no, we'll have plenty of cover or shit, man. If you feel more comfortable that way, it's 50, 50. Anyway, yeah. if that makes you feel good, let's go that way. I mean, again, yeah. getting along, being pleasant and, and communicating is, is huge. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. That's huge. So, while we're talking about that, I'm going to read a few hey. more off. Um, uh, hold on. Yeah, is it reasonable to ask and have it be where the guide is just uh, with you uh, because he has to be and not because you need the experience to hunt the animal? I think what he's saying is, is it reasonable to ask and have it the guide's there to just you know, make it legal and leave you alone. It, it, the same exact hunt, you may get in close and the guide will say, depending on what, what it's like between you and the animal, he, better, he may say, you better go ahead and get ahead of me. Two of us isn't going to be good. Or if, you can, if he can stay right with you and you know it's not going to screw things up, it's not going to hurt for him to stay with you moving in. It yeah. just, it, every situation's different. Yeah. When I, when I shot, I'm going to give you an example. I mean, when I shot like the, the Wolverine, uh, the dude, he was cool as shit. He had a co-flatch boots on and I'm not saying they don't take <laughs> bow hunters, but it sounded like a rat orgy. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. We were a hundred yards and I'm, I was very clear. I said, take those fucking boots off or stay back here. And he looked at me, I'm like, I'm not kidding. Like, dude, those are fucking loud. Like, yeah. really loud. And them, them things are. Yeah, special. Uh, it's like wearing a ski yeah. boot. Um, but, you know, I didn't, yeah, it was, I wasn't. Plastic. Yeah, I wasn't mad. I just was clear to, hey, 
this is a once in a lifetime animal and I'm not going to fuck around with having squeaky boots. Like take, take, take your boots off or just hang back, you know, and whether that was right or wrong, it was just something that I'm like, well, I'm not going to wait till we're like super close and be like, oh, your boots are squeaky and the animal, you know what I mean? Handle it ahead of time. And, but there's a certain fine line yeah. of, you know, what to, to ask, you know, for what to do, because they have been doing that in there their whole lives. Um, so generally they're not going to, I mean, they want a tip, right? So they're, they don't want to screw you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I've had my, my brown bear guide. When I shot that bear, I shot it at 20 yards at my brown. We got, after it was over with, I turned around and he says, I can't believe how calm you stayed. And I said, well, I can stay pretty calm till afterwards and my knees shake. And he says, man, I've never been that close to a brow bear in my life. A live one like that. I go, yeah, isn't it awesome? <laughs> and, uh, and, but that's, that's, I mean, that's having a, a rifle. Somebody, I've had a few guys that hadn't guided bow hunters before, but not very often, but, but that's when you really got to kind of lay things in on them. And, uh, let them know and especially it depend on your hunting i i always recommend i i crawl in alone if it you know if it's if the if it'll work i just soon be by myself and finish out the stock yeah and i mean most guys are going to be like that but while, while we're talking about like getting along with the guide and everything else and and uh their their actions your actions is is the other one is the the tip um in uh, the the, I have my own opinions on this because I've been screwed before. When I say screwed, my version of screwed, maybe I wasn't, but uh, I generally say ten percent uh, tip for what the guide should get. If there's a packer, a little bit of money for the packer, and kick the cook fifty, a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks, depending upon the food. So if your hunt's ten grand. A thousand bucks for you know you should figure about fifteen hundred or less in total, somewhere around ten percent for so the guide. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I I because I, I usually hear that the whole tip. I don't do this, but I always from booking that that ten percent of the price of the hunt, but then you divided it up. And 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 again, this I is. I don't agree. I don't I don't agree with that because. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go on a, on a, a, a two thousand dollar antelope hunt. And if I have a guide there taking me out every day, just get and you know, just give him two hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, and the the you thing know. that I kind of look at is is uh, did you shoot on day one? All right. Well, there wasn't a lot of effort, um, probably right, and so it's not as big of a deal. Did you shoot a giant on day one? All right, well, maybe a little has, bit, you know. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it for me. The well, and I, I kill the first day. I I tip like we've been there for ten days. I tip, I tip the same amount. I even tip some guys that didn't deserve what I gave them. But I'm never going to walk away having somebody go, "Man, what an asshole!" And well, and I and you I know. I'm different. <laughs> I have that base. And then it goes up. So I never go lower than that, what I just talked about, 10%. But when I say that, meaning mm -hmm. if if we were, if, if I had to recurve, 
and I just just over and over and over just not getting it done you're going to get more than 10% because I, I really just worked your ass off because I missed or, yeah. you know, whatever. But Well, I got to tell my polar bear hunt, I didn't tip 10% on that. And I talked that over with the outfitter or with the booking agent and everything before I did it because I thought tipping basically $4,000 was going to, it was over, over the top. Yeah. For what, especially for what we had to do and stuff. Well, I, well that's like, um, so this is where it comes in of what, like, for me, for example, uh, like you said, if I book a $1,500 cool whitetail hunt, I might have feel really weird to say, here's 150 bucks if this guy got everything set up. You know what? You know what I mean? I'm probably going to exactly going to give him three to five or even though that's a third of the, yeah. you know, the hunt. But if it was a good time and everything else, but if, if you're doing, yeah. um, you know, when I say this, I'm asking Randy, if you booked a hunt and it's 20 grand, uh, you have a great time. You kill on day five. The food was good. What are you going to give the guide packer and cook? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm like you. I'm gonna give the guy at least two grand on that. A packer, I don't know. Normally, something like that, maybe seven, eight hundred bucks. And then, and then the cook. I think I usually give them. You know what? The cook depends. If I'm eating three meals a day with a cook, I mean a real real meals every day or two good meals a day. I'm usually tipping them. I think about 50 bucks a day. I do it. Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I always just look at it of like, if it's like dinner, right. Every day. And you're only in camp for, you know, the three days you're back yeah, or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not doing them 50 bucks a day for that. Yeah. yeah it, that's what, well, that's what it equals to me. It's like, yep, that's 50 bucks a day. Cause I was only there two to three days, but like, yeah, usually I look 25 to 50 a day if it's good meals and there are lots of meals. It, but if I show up on a Monday and we fly out Tuesday and I come back Friday and I fly out Saturday, yeah, I'm probably just going to give like a hundred bucks, you know, whatever to the, the, uh, the cook. But and again, I, Randy's done yeah. way more of these than I have. Um, I'm also speaking from the uh, tip E portion of this. And like the packer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can say is from a, a the packer, if that packer is like getting after it and, hey, can I carry this for you? And, hey, uh, you know, I brought us some extra snacks or, hey, I'm going to run down and get water. Man, that's, that's a big deal to me because I've been the asshole having to do that. And... If it's yeah, 400, it, you're right. It, it depends what they're doing. Yeah. Mm. Well, like, but if they're going four to 500 yards to get water in a 300 foot drop, that's worth a lot yeah, of money to me. That's a whole, oh boy. <laughs> and and it, when I say it's worth a lot of money to me, I'm the one going to get it frequently. I, I, I am the guy getting the water. It's like, that really sucked after a long day. And it's like, after all that, the packer gets like 300 bucks of doing that for 10 days. Uh, that's a $50 a day venture for me. I'm like, yeah, buddy, like just you getting that water. So you know what I mean? Like there's depending. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's yeah. variables, you know, you know, to it, but what, what you don't want to be known as, as a, 
you know, uh, a tight ass. Um, that word will travel. Well, you want to remember, you might, you might want to come back. Back, yeah. <laughs> and if, you might not If you go get back, to. you want them, you want, you want them to want to guide you also. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, like when you go, I mean, you think about this, if you're a guy who, I don't know, I'll just pick what I, you know, put shower doors in, you know, I'm paid to do, uh, you know, the shower door and I'm not expecting a tip. It's not a tip type of a deal, but I've gotten many tips from keeping the house clean and it looked good or whatever. And then, oh, here's some money. Well, that makes me, if they ever do another project, work even harder. Um, same thing with anything in life. Mm -hmm. So if a guy busts his ass for you for 10 days, you have no complaints and you get an animal or not, but you had opportunities and you have one negative thing to say, that's worth at least 10% of what, what he, he did. Now, if it was a clusterfuck, it's a little bit different story. Now you may want, you know, that's where it gets a little sticky of like, you know, do you give them 10%? Do you not? You know, or what? It, it gets a little weird, but. Yeah. I've, I've had guides, you know, I've had hunts that weren't that great. It wasn't the guide's fault. And I've actually tipped them and they want to give me money back <laughs> because it wasn't, it didn't turn out like it should have. But as long as, as long, I mean, you know, I mean, when they're working for you and that, the only the only thing that really ever keeps you, I don't know how to put it. If they're scaring your animals off all the time and stuff like that, you're sneaking in and they're doing like you were talking with the boots. If they're scaring animals off all the time and that, then your things are going to get a little, a little dicey. <laughs> but, yeah, and I, I it just doesn't happen that often. I I think the number one thing to like just think and remember about all of this is be is communicate as much as you can and uh, good fences make good neighbors. So make sure what's expected of you, what what's expected of them, so on and so forth. The food thing, know ahead of time budget for the tip. And then once you get into the hunt, have the most positive attitude humanly possible and nothing it, you'll leave. I hate to say it this way. You'll leave with a clean conscience, meaning you did your part. You, you did your best. You know what I mean? Like good things come to good people. Just stay yep. after it. But if you're a fucking asshole the entire time, it's horrible. What's that? I oh, said, yeah. when, if you're a yeah. fucking no. asshole the entire time, it's horrible. It's horrible. There's yeah. Yeah. It, it ruins everything. I always look at it, Aaron. If I really don't like it in the end or don't like somebody or that, I could get along for that. I just don't have to do it again. I don't have to go back there. I don't have to, but I'm not going to, I'm just not going to ruin it. Not going to ruin it for while I'm there. And I'm not going to walk away. At least I don't think I ever have where they're going, man, I hope, hope that guy never comes back here again. Well, I mean, obviously we're friends, yeah, but I mean, I don't I, want that. I've guided you. Um, and when I say that I'm losing that very loosely, uh, I showed you where animals were and no. we hung out, but, um, but you, you had animals that went under you. I wanted you to shoot, and you did not shoot them. And I know you could have, but you were waiting for a, a bigger animal. Um, yeah, yeah. But you never bitched later that you didn't get one or, or anything like that because you were looking for a specific-sized animal, you know, mm -hmm. or, or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that you 
when when if you go into it and you, and you have like champagne taste with a beer budget and I'm not using Randy as this but if you come in and you have a compound or a stick bow and you're limited to 20 yards um and you when, when I say you're limited to 20 yards your shot distance is good out to 20 but you are wanting a Boone and Crockett whatever or a Pope and Young whatever yeah that that yeah. th- there's going to be some luck involved in that it's going to take several tries and that's you've hindered yourself on your own. So as long as they're putting in the effort, not doing anything stupid, you know, you can't get too mad at them, you know. And, and when I, I, I mean, would you agree with most of what I'm saying and anything yeah, else you want to add I, with this? I, I had an Arizona tag for elk last year. I spent I spent I hunted the whole season, 14 days. And then guys showed me some good elk. But I had my heart set on an elk that was around 340 or so. And I was passing out, you know, we did a bowl that was three, three, ten coming in. The guy said, what do you think? I said, I'm not shooting. Him. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. I, it got down to, I got all done. I didn't kill an elk. But you know what? I had a probably the best elk hunt I've ever been on in my life. And I saw some giants. And I had three or four times where I needed one more step to kill a big, well, for me, what I consider a big bull when they start getting over 340, 350. For me, that's a big bull, and and we saw some bigger than that. But uh, what a great hunt that was! But I had my mind made up. I've shot plenty of elk. That uh, same thing. You get that tag. I burned twenty points. It's a good area. I was gonna. I had my mind made up, and that's just the way it was. Yeah. Well, and yeah. As long as, like I said, again, having realistic expectations and and everything else is a big one. But what is there anything before we move on to the the polar bear? Is there anything you want to um, cover that I may have left out in, in all your travelings and? That's what I was trying to think. There was something else I was going to. Well, there was something else I was going to say, and you said we'll cover that later. Did we cover it? Well, we were talking about if we and we did cover it some, but let's. It's a good one to hit again. Oh, if you nick or wound an animal. Yeah, wounding policies. Yep. Yeah. No, go uh, go go ahead because they're they're um, very clear in my mind. But go ahead. About, just just about everybody has one anymore. Wherever you go, uh, some places it's a law. If you wound a a brown bear in Alaska, you're done. You can keep hunting and looking for that brown bear, but you're done. You can't shoot a different one. Some places it's just uh, it's the guide's rules. Uh, the outfitters rules that wouldn't you draw blood. And, and I've had a couple things happen where the guides were very reasonable about it. Like you said, if you skip off a back, if you know you're above the spine, you just skip off the back, draw a little blood. And they're absolutely positive that arrow's not going to be lethal. Normally they'll let you keep hunting. One thing that would I would say as a caveat to that, if you are an asshole, you are probably going home. That is a very good that's reason good. to be polite. Yeah, if you no, that's exactly right. I I I had a I I didn't get a uh, I think it was in Impala in Africa, and there was another guy hunting there that wounded quite a few animals. Anyway, when it comes, he was an asshole the whole week. He, I hated being around him. When it comes time to pay up at the end, they figured out every animal he hit and made him pay for every single one. And when they did my animals, they said, 
they said, uh, did you have any wounds? And my, my guide cut me off and said, nope, we're all good on that end. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just little things like that, but that's, that's, but I, 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 I mean, I shot a water buffalo in the shoulder one time and I thought I was done. I thought I had to pay for another one. And, uh, we got down the, and, uh, and cause you could shoot too with a trophy fee. And I just figured I was paying for the first one when we got ready to go. And, and I said, the guy had my bill and I said, well, I didn't pay for that first one. He goes, no, no. He says, you didn't hurt that thing. He says, it was obvious. And he said, I should have shot it. The arrow looked perfect in it. And I just thought, I thought we were going to get it. So he says, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's not dead. Yeah. And, and so, that's, that's the thing. Like be prepared if you draw blood to in any part of the animal, go home. And the reason why I'm glad you brought this up again is because you and I am the worst to be like, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And that may not be a comfortable shot you're comfortable with. And you don't want it to be too dicey. If you take the shot, wound it, and I'm the asshole yeah. behind you telling you to shoot. And and I've been very clear about this, and this is not something that I like it doesn't happen often. But if I'm behind Randy and Randy's like, I'm a good out to 35, and I say, take the shot, we're at 42. If you wound it, you wound it. Take the shot. That can get really dicey because, you know, when I say dicey, mm -hmm. because if I'm behind you at 75 and you're a 50 yard shooter and I'm like, I don't give a shit, shoot, and then you wound it, there's going to be a confrontation um, because technically mm -hmm. your hunt's done. And so, that is where I would say this really, you want to be real keen on, in, in, in making your shot and, and choosing which shot to, you know, to take, cause it could end your hunt. And if it's, if it's a shot you're not comfortable with, but I'm behind you saying, shoot, shoot, shoot. Um, it can get well, weird. You, you got a problem too. You don't like people not shooting. I don't like people not shooting at all. It drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Bart's just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know you don't. I've heard enough stories just between you and Amy and trying to get her to shoot. Yeah, no, I, I like but, I like arrows in the air. But I mean I I am also very understanding with that, meaning if I'm behind you and I yeah, again, you're like, Can we get to sixty? I'm like, This is all we got. Do you have an eighty yard pin? Yeah. Well, more than most likely, I'm telling you to shoot, right? And and when I say that, this is our dad, like not all animals. This is our dad. But again, if right. that was a 220-inch mule deer, I'd, hell no, I'm not telling you to shoot. Now, this can get into a, like, oh, are our dad worthless or whatever? Well, they're invasive, and you can hunt them Here with thermal. Yeah. yeah, invasive, hunt them with thermals at night out of a helicopter. They have lesser value to some people, and the chance of Texas just right. killing them all is high. So, uh also the terrain, you can watch them a lot farther depending upon where you're shooting. But again, if a guy hit one at 80 and hits it and nicks the leg and I'm like, well, your hunt's done, that is wrong, right? He didn't want to shoot that. I coerced him or talked him into shooting it and then he nicks the leg. His hunt should not be over. But if I call in a bull moose to 30 and you shoot it in the ass, you're done. More than most likely, you are, yeah. you are, you are done. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. I mean, it, most, most places I've been guys are very reasonable with it about it. 
they have a strict policy. Strict. Most guys have strict wound policies, and they have it there because they don't want everybody just flinging that stuff either. They want people to be responsible at what they're doing. Yep. Which is a hundred percent exactly how it should go. And you know, it, it, at a lot of camps when you first get, Oh, go ahead. No, but it is still, if it's their policies, it's also at their discretion also. Yeah. If it's not a law. Yeah. Oh yeah. Outfitters discretion. If he wants to let you keep hunting or not, and not charge it, that's all up to him. But they're, their normal policy is you draw blood, you're done. Yeah. Or you can keep hunting that particular animal. Yep. Well, and I'll, I'll give you an example of a hunt that I was on and, uh, I hit, I hit a deer and I was going after that deer to finish it. I got above that deer later. What I thought was that deer, it was, it was bedded, I, I thought it should have heard me, so I was surprised it was where it was. I could see it bobbing its head. It looked like there was red leaves around it in the bed, you know, and it, but it was also fall. Anyway, I shot it, and I shot I, I shot the wrong deer, right? I shot – I did not shoot the deer who was wounded. I shot the wrong deer. And when I mm, – <laughs> when I say that, the first deer I hit – was it mortally wounded or not was very, it's 50, 50, right? Like, you know, when I, like it, it's, it's, I couldn't walk away saying, oh yeah, hell yeah. That deer is going to be, you know, like taking a shot and hitting the shoulder bone. It's going to be fine. Yeah. It was one of those like, ah, so, I mean, I did what you should do as I went and told the truth and I, you know, said, Hey, I'll pay for both deer. And obviously they'll keep hunting that other deer. Other clients will, will hunt that deer. Like if they choose so, Hey, we have one wounded. It's a big buck. Are you okay with hunting it? You know, cause you don't, you know, that's a self-implied um, number, right? When you're on private land with outfitters, that, that, that number, they, they want to keep the numbers up. Well, on my end, it was more of a, Hey, that deer may die. And I fucked up. And I, you know, I didn't mean yeah. to is I'll pay for bo- both bucks and they very well could have charged me full boat on both, which they didn't, which was nice of them. Um, but again, technically I should have to pay for both deer. I, I fucked up. You know what I mean? And when I say that I went on the stock on my own and that was my own choice to shoot that deer, I will say right up until the point I walked up to it, I was pushing 99.9% sure I shot the right deer. So talk about taking Christmas away. <laughs> yeah. 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 But shit happens. No, and you know what? If I was an outfitter and a guy did that and he paid for the other animal, if we killed that animal later on and you could tell, I'd probably send the guy's money back. Mm. Yeah. You know. And I mean, that's just, again. If another guy killed it. Well, it's funny how the human brain works. And again, you can lie to me if you want and say it wouldn't cross your mind. The first thing I thought of was, and I mean immediately, fuck, I don't have to tell anyone. Oh, yeah. Like, this deer yeah. can stay right. And then I'm like, should I put a hole in it yeah. where the other hole was? Uh, <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, Aaron? You're a grown man. And then I walked up and told the truth. But it crossed my mind immediately. And I, I've told people that. And they're like, oh, I can't believe you thought that. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I didn't do it. And but- you know what? It, it isn't even so much the money as it is the embarrassment. Mm-hmm. 
I'm doing something like that. Here's the seasoned hunter, you know. Oh, I felt like two. I, I could have walked under a snake. I'm like, mm, well. <laughs> in the situation, I had just stalked above a different buck that I thought was the one I hit. Got above it, wasn't the buck. It blew out. I went 65 yards down the ridge line, came up over another buck, which should have blown out when the other deer did. Mm. I'm nine yards above it and it's bobbing his head and I can see red. So again, I'm excited. I'm like, this has got to be the buck. And it was not yeah. again. And, and, and so it's like, Holy crap. Oh, talk about rain and pussy get hit in the head with a dick. I'm like, are you shitting me? Yeah. Like, but again, having that court, you know, talking with the outfitter, letting him know what happened, being honest and apologetic, all of the things, you know, cause I felt horrible. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. Like I screwed up. And he said, what are we I gave him this. I told him what happened. He's like, well, I can't say I wouldn't have shot it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can see where you're coming from. I'm like, I still should have known, you know, or waited a little yeah. bit longer, but. Yeah. Well, the thing is to crap just happens. Stuff just happens. Guys get excited even in that. I mean, it just, things are going to happen. Hopefully it's just, they're not too bad. Yeah. Uh, that one, you could just pay for another one. I mean, it wasn't, um, shooting, shooting two animals, uh, in Colorado elk hunting and you kill two bulls. That ain't a good thing. Now, and that shit happens. You you hit one runs in the brush and it comes back out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, but uh, anyway, yeah, we were going to talk, talk about my polar bear hunt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, let's not, cause we've been on for an hour and a half, but I definitely want to cover that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just quickly. Um, I, I shot a polar bear oh, a year and a half ago or that. And uh, it was, uh, it was a really great experience. I was gone 20 days. I hunted one day. Uh, the weather was bad. It was uh, uh, 25 below zero at night. I think it got got down to 10 below during the day. 40 mile an hour winds. It was a whiteout. I just I spent uh, the first five days in a plywood shack out on the ice uh, that they pulled out the drug out there. It was like 12 by 10 by 12 or something. I spent out there on that. Um, Finally got a break, moved to another place, had to spend another day. The weather changed, went out one day, shot a bear, came back, um, and then uh, was able to get back into town. I was up in Grease Fjord. It took three days to get there. Uh, with everything going right, it took three days to get there. And then uh, I think it took me nine days to get home, trying to get home. Um, so it was, it was quite an experience. It was a lot of fun. The Inuit people, I have a blast always there. I've hunted with Inuits in different areas and that, and a great time. But what I really wanted to touch on about the bear hunting is I knew when I did it, I started posting it and I knew I was going to get some heat from people about polar bears because there's so much misinformation about them. And back in the early, the, the big thing is they're almost extinct. And you cannot import polar bears to the U.S. and Mexico, I believe. And it all has to do with their saying, uh, with climate change, the ice is melting, and all the bears are going to die. Well, um, 
back in the early 60s, the po- they were bear hunting then, and the population was 5,000. Now it's somewhere up around 30,000. Um, we only shoot mature polar bears and mature boars. And the boars are just like any other bears. They kill the young ones and eat them. So when you kill a boar, you're actually saving cubs and stuff also, which is going to help the population. Um, the, the community I hunted in, Grease Fjord, they were given 30 polar bear tags a year by the Canadian government. They're allowed to sell 10 tags to hunters and charge a good deal of money to do it. Um, so all these bears, these 30 bears, they're going to get shot no matter what. Whether hunters pay money, it goes to conservation, goes into the community, the community gets some of that. Um, they're going to kill those bears one way or another. They're going to die So uh, with those 30 tags they have. But they're not necessarily going to shoot all mature boars either. So anyway, I got... The misconception is too. I I got a one of the messages that I got on Facebook was from a, a fairly young gal that post saw it and posted on there that it was a hundred percent illegal to shoot a polar bear, and most usually anymore. I I people that are nasty and stuff like that I just ignore. Uh, normally I got enough friends they'll hammer them and stuff, so I just ignore it and but this girl young girl when she said it was a hundred percent illegal i i said told her it was absolutely a hundred percent legal and i went through what i just told you about how many bears there was and all that and uh after i explained everything to her and what went on you know the number of bears and how and all that she came back to me. She was a vet, veterinarian down in, I think, in Ohio. And she came back and she thanked me for explaining that to her. And she said she had no idea that she had a class in college where they taught her that killing polar bears was 100% illegal, that they're almost extinct. Um, they are on a, there's like five steps to get, in, get to being on the, almost extinct level and they are on the like there's a level where it's watch them keep an eye on them that's the level they're really at um so but but the thing is usually with people like that people get on and start hammering she came back to me then and thanked me she said thank you so much for explaining that to me and not calling me a bunch of names and uh being really nasty to me nasty to me about posting that i really appreciate it and now that i understand i can explain that to people also um i just thought that was a you know that 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 we need to think about handling some of that anti-hunters uh more that way too some of them you're never going to change they're going to believe it's hunting's a god-awful thing and that no matter what you do but, but but at least trying and explaining stuff to them, uh, especially when it comes to things like that, I think it can make a big difference. I don't know how many other people she's going to change their mind um, because they're pretty white bears. Yeah, uh, I think, though, you're right, uh, though, as far you know, as just being 
on your best behavior, polite, informational, it's never going to hurt. Well, if you absolutely call them a bunch of bad names and stuff, you know that isn't going to go over well. There's no chance there. N- no, and oh, I mean, I... They're idiots. There's, there's, no, there's, there's no chance there at all. There's, there's a point where it gets to that. I agree. But just doing it, the first time somebody says something, you go, oh, you're a total idiot. You know, that, it, that you have no idea what you're talking about. Rather than explaining... And for that situation, I just thought that was the thing to do. Let me put it that way. And it turned out good in the end. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think obviously on the internet is one way to handle things and person's another. And when I say that, I always try to be polite. But I've had more than one occasion where people were very aggressive, um, you know, screaming and yelling. And, uh, you know, I get the initial reaction is is going to be to yell back, but one you know one of the easiest things to do is they're screaming and you know yelling and I hope your kids die and I've heard all kinds of shit. Um, you know, it's just oh, yeah. to say, hey, look, what I'm doing is a hundred percent legal. I'm a very ethical hunter. You know, I appreciate your opinion, but you do not need to be uh, aggressive towards me to get your point across. It's not helping, and then just walk away because especially if they're recording you, which generally they are. They will post that on the first page and it they're going to make you look bad, not them. Where if you're polite, it always is going to look better for the hunter. Now, if it comes to a physical altercation, rip their fucking arms off if they touch you. But until then, <laughs> just be polite because they're probably recording it. And then that way, it's like some people that watch it are like, well, that, that guy handled that well. It looks better for hunters. Yeah. Yeah, it just I, I was shocked it went over like that. I wasn't expecting that reply back from her. That's for sure. Yeah, no, no, that's cool. But it kind of, it almost kind of taught me a lesson by by going through that situation. Oh yeah, uh, I, I bet with that one young girl. You know, at least to kind of to make you think a little more before you react. You know, to something. Yep. Yep. For sure. Well, man, it's we've been on for an hour and forty. Is there anything else you want to cover? No, the only thing I could say is check out safaritough.com. Yeah. Check out what I got. Yeah, hop on the. I've used the. I always, for, I always forget <laughs> to plug myself. <laughs> well, I, I do I've used the the back quiver and the bow case and the bino harness uh, a shitload. So all good stuff. Um, yep, support Randy uh, and even the back quiver. I will say for compound people. Um, it may not be something you wear on your back, but it is a very good means of transportation. Even I, st- I'll stretch, like if I'm in an area where I'm going to be, you know, shooting a lot of pigs or whitetails or whatever, you can strap it on the side of your pack. Um, you know, even if you're in the tree yeah. stand to have a few extra arrows or just having the truck. Like yeah. when I say that, I keep one now in my Bronco loaded with arrows and broadheads wherever I'm going. And it's just extra arrows is I don't wear it on my back per se, but I will say if I'm going on some kind of a depredation hunt, I'm bringing that thing full and my quiver on my bow. Um, cause it's better than carrying a freaking box, right? Like where you can't get to them. You got to open the box. They're ready to go. So that back quiver is definitely one yeah. I think compound guys can and, use. And, and it's, if you're taking out your tree stand, it's quiet too, you know, to have around there and that it's not, but yeah, I was going to say a lot of, I have a, few compound guys that bought them because they, they don't want to carry bow quivers. Not very many that don't, but 
and like you say, when guys are going out to shoot a bunch of does or, or a bunch of hogs, it's a good way to take extra arrows out with you. Nope, it is for sure. So, well, Randy, I appreciate you hopping on. I figured you were a good person to discuss this with, and and uh, and you were. So, thanks for helping out. Oh, good. I hope so. Anyway. Yep. Well, cool. Um, oh, it's good talking to you. It's good talking to you, Aaron. I always well, always enjoy it. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to call you back after I go pee and hop in my Bronco uh, if you're not busy because I got to catch you up on a bunch of shit we couldn't talk about on the podcast. Right. No, that sounds good. Do that. Give me a call. All right, cool. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Randy. I'll talk to everyone later. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye.